0: This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. They have close to 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from, with new pins coming out every month. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com, and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. Fansets. We are Star Trek. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Nerys from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan
1: Davidson. Classified outpost at the mouth of the Bajoran wormhole. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. You're indep- No, we're not. your are independent. Star Trek podcast. God, I did that for so many episodes. You think I wow. would know by now. Yes, I know the flagship ah. of the Trek Geeks podcast network. Greetings one and all. Welcome to Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host Bill Smith. And you've already heard his annoyingly monotonous voice. My co-host Dan Davidson is here as well. Hey, buddy. Hi, that was great. It, you know, it's sometimes you're on autopilot. You I know, know
0: because it's, we've been doing it for a long time, but you know what? It still sounds good. I miss it. It's like the old days Legacy Trek. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's a different podcast. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue rather mellifluously. Mm, very nice. I like that. It's good whoever, to be here. Whoever came up with both of those phrases really was just a master of the written word.
0: Absolutely. And uh, that's great. Anyway. How you doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Buddy, this is episode number 195. We're almost at a landmark 200th episode of the Trek Geeks podcast. And But and before we get to that, we're going to talk about a character today that uh, is pretty pivotal, not only in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but marks a huge change in Star Trek overall.
0: Absolutely. You know, we're, we're doing this this celebration of the women of, of Trek along with our friends at Fansets, and so we're going to concentrate on one amazing female character in the Star Trek universe, and I'll tell you what, I didn't like her at first, and we'll get into all that detail when we start talking about the subject, but Kira Norris on Deep Space Nine, she was a force to be reckoned with, as I've said in the past, so we're going to dedicate this entire episode about the amazing character that the fantastically talented Nana visitor portrayed for those seven years on deep space nine
1: you know it's amazing we had Nana on almost five years ago can you believe that yeah it was one of you know the the very first guests we had on the podcast and she was so gracious with her time and we had a fantastic conversation if you have the chance to go back that's episode nine or ten i I think it's i think it's nine yeah i think it's nine because andy robinson is ten right Yep. Um, but yeah, episode number nine with Nana Visitor, it's, it, it was one of our, I think it was our second interview overall. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was such a wonderful experience. Nana is just such a delight. Um, but we're going to talk about the character she played today, and that's coming up in a little bit. What's coming up now, though, is my very talented and, and loquacious partner is going to regale you with how you can get in touch with us.
0: Yes, if you're looking to get in touch with us, you can head right on over to trekgeeks.com contact where you will find a plethora of ways to get in touch with us. Let's see. There's Skype chat. There's email. There's voicemail. You can click on that giant old-fashioned rotary dialed telephone blue button. All kinds of good stuff. Um, I have no idea what I'm saying, um, but there's uh, you know it's it's just it's it's always fun. Um, plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook, Camp Kittimer. It's our official group, and it's where all the Trek talk is always positive, with no bashing or gatekeeping allowed. To join the group, just head on over to Facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Sarah, and Dan for the amazing job they do running the camp. But please remember, damn it, Bill, remember that any comments or messages that you use in any of these places may be used in a future episode. That's my Kira from episode one.
1: Oh, (laughs) you're throwing it all away. (laughs) <laughs> um that, that's my Kira from episode one because wow. that's that's actually her line that's, that's uh, good. yeah and I, I love I, one of these days I'm totally going to run Burgundy you and I'm going to put the most vile saying in the middle of that copy because I know you don't read it ahead of time
0: I well, I was preparing the oh, show earlier up. today and I'm like okay I got all my stuff in I pull it up right now it's all different <laughs> <laughs> just that <laughs> right <laughs>
1: Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. <muching> Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. <muching> for all the news on all the Star Trek. <muching> what? All right, stop that Britney crap right now. I mean, I don't want to hear that. All right. That's, that's <laughs> terrible. It's treknews.net. <laughs> <laughs> How would you write that out? How would that look? B L A U U U U N A A N A N A N A. Online at treknews.net. Wow, Dan is the best speller. He's got all the best words. <laughs> Uh, Dan, first up, speaking of the best things, as we record, Destination Star Trek 2019 has wrapped up across the pond in Birmingham, England, and it looks like it was just an amazingly successful weekend.
0: It does look that way. Yeah, When when is a Trek convention not successful, Bill? Oh, wait, Houston, 1982, maybe? Con of Wrath. That's a story for another time. Um, Yeah, great weekend in Birmingham, England, with new exhibits and announcements, including uh, Picard's Admiral uniform on display, which looked phenomenal, with little subtle changes in colors. I guarantee that's going to show up in cosplay very soon. If it didn't that weekend, I didn't see any pictures, but who knows. Uh, Also, Sir Patrick Stewart was on stage to talk about Picard and said that he expects to see the rest of the TNG crew show up on his new show, and that you, of course, huge applause. That was very big. And uh, something I think you might be interested in, man, based on the fact that you have just finished up Voyager. Congratulations. Uh, we've already seen the autobiography of James T. Kirk and the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard. And uh, later this year, we'll be seeing the autobiography of Mr. Spock. But announced this weekend will be the autobiography of Catherine Janeway by Una McCormick. Now, I can tell you that the uh, first two autobiographies are simply amazing. I recommend them to everyone, and I expect nothing less from Ms. McCormick. It's scheduled for release on July 14th, 2020, and the minute it is available uh, for pre-order on Amazon, I will be placing my order, and you may have a present coming. Uh, Finally, Bill, there's some interesting news uh, from Destination Star Trek, and that's that they will be having their annual convention in London next year, November 13th through the 15th, to celebrate voyager 25 kate mulgrew was already confirmed and get this dude there's going to be a voyager bridge set up for viewing and for photo ops and i've already planted the seed of heading over to london in my wife's ear and it was not a no
1: that's that should have been the lead story right there i mean <laughs> talk about burying the lead um that's that's amazing yeah um, i, I Plus, Roxanne Dawson is uh, is is confirmed for for mm-hmm. London. I think Jerry Ryan is confirmed for London, um, and you know since there's a year to go, I think that it's going to be. Uh a lot of people that are added to that slate. And I think it's going to be fantastic.
0: I'm, uh, I'm very excited about it because my nephew, uh, Maddie, who was a guest on discovering Trek last year, uh, lives in London right now as he's still uh, working on getting his um, veterinary, uh, whatever the hell it's called. Um, and so he will be looking forward for, uh, for us visiting. So we go over there, we see Star Trek, we see my nephew, all works out.
1: I have to say, I, I, I really enjoyed Voyager. I'm not a fan of the Voyager bridge.
0: I, I'm not, but it's something different. We've seen the same things at STLV over the last several oh, yeah. years. So something new is something that I'm I'll give a thumbs up to see.
1: Oh, I'd still get my photo taken on it. I was yeah. just commenting about bridges themselves. Yeah, it's kind of weird looking. It's it's kinda it's rectangular, which is mm. kind of bizarre. And I don't know. I like the captain having their own center seat. I mean, even on TNG, Picard was in the middle. Yes. This true. one, Janeway, sits on the left. A little bit. And that seems a little weird to me. So uh, but,
0: weird.
1: Uh, well, ain't that the truth? <laughs> um, so Dan, next up, as we announced uh last episode, tickets are now on sale for an event that you and I are incredibly excited about.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, I'm thrilled. No, <laughs> no just kidding, uh, why not, man? It's the first for both of us, and uh, we are thrilled. That this is happening as you said tickets are now on sale for the first ever trek geeks live taking place on sunday april 26th uh, 2020 at 8 p.m at the bank of new hampshire stage in concord new hampshire why star trek matters now more than ever is the topic we, we will of course have other things to keep everyone's attention including a special top secret segment that may or may not include a musical instrument bill uh, now, all of our proceeds for this event will go to Granite State Dog Recovery. So, pick up your tickets now to have a great night of Star Trek discussion and help the New Hampshire puppies at the same time.
1: It's going to be a great evening. We uh, we're planning a sort of part TED style talk and then part live podcast, and then of course the special top secret segment that Dan referenced just a moment ago. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a it's a 300 seat theater in downtown Concord, New Hampshire, the state capital of of uh, the Granite State. And um, as Dan said, you can head on over to trekgeekslive.com or banknhstage.com to get your tickets for only $10 plus applicable fees. Now, as Dan mentioned, all of our proceeds from the event are going to a great volunteer organization here in New Hampshire. So even if you think you might not make it, buying a ticket directly helps Granite State Dog Recovery and the work they do. So we are very excited. More on that as we get closer. We're about six months away from it now. Oh, my God. But, but we like to plan.
0: Yes. You're a planner.
1: I'm a planner. And finally, Dan, we are continuing our celebration of the women of Star Trek today with a conversation about Kira Norris, but our friends at fansets want to make this episode extra special for one lucky listener.
0: You know, we got the text about this and I just could not believe it. It's just another reason why fansets continues to be the best in the business for the next two weeks, folks, we want you to tweet us and tell us who your favorite woman of Trek is real or fictional in the Star Trek universe, and why? Now, be sure to tag us at Trek Geeks and use the hashtag #WomenOfTrek. We're going to gather all the submissions between now and Sunday, November 10th, and announce one winner on our November 12th episode. And that lucky person will receive. Drumroll, please, Bill. Um, okay, uh, you did it well enough yourself. Okay, okay. There. That one lucky winner is going to receive a framed Women of Trek collector's set. You heard me correctly. And as an added bonus, these pins will be the glitterized versions that you could only get at STLV.
1: Whoa. I'm floored by that. I mean, that is such an amazing prize. Um, it is a beautiful, like all of the fansets master sets, they are a beautiful set. And this is going to be a line of pins that they continue to add on to. So that master set is this year's, but you know, there are going to be other women of Trek pins coming, you know, uh, in, in future years. So this is going to be just a, an a, an incredible collection for one lucky Star Trek fan to own. And we are so grateful to fansets for for, for doing this for one of our listeners, Dan. This is, again, they step up to the plate and it is nothing short of amazing.
0: It was, it was a text that came out of the blue. We were just sitting there one night. I was sitting and doing something at home and I got a text from Lou. Hey, you guys are doing Women of Trek. Let's do this. And he laid it on me and I'm like, what? So yeah, pretty cool.
1: Definitely. Well, of course, Dan, we love everybody at Fansets, you know, here we are. It's another week, another episode of Trek Geeks, another discussion that, that Fansets is, is grateful enough to, to sponsor. Or we're grateful that they sponsor it. And, you know, as we've always stated, they are so amazing that when you order pins or pin accessories at fansets.com, you're, you're going to get the attention, the respect, and the customer service you deserve because, I mean, they're, they're the best in the business. I mean, that's no lie.
0: Yeah, no lie. Not only are they the best in the business, but their product is the best in the business too, man. Case in point, I recently got the Picard Family Crest from the upcoming Picard series. It is so gorgeous. The colors are vibrant. And the fact that Fansets already has a pin on a show that has yet to be released just goes to show you how awesome they are and how great their relationship with CBS is. You know that with Fansets, you're getting 100% officially licensed products that are second to none.
1: I wish I could say the same thing about my co-host, but in any event, Dan, as always for our Trek Geeks listeners, you can get 15% off your entire order at fansets.com this week by entering the word Kira. That's K I R A in all capital letters at checkout. And this discount code is going to be available to use until Tuesday, November 5th, 2019 at midnight Eastern standard time.
0: Fansets. We are star Trek and huge. Thanks to our friends at fansets for sponsoring this week's episode.
1: Well, Dan, we convene to consider yet another of the amazing women of Star Trek, and this time we're going to focus on a character, as we may or may not have done in the past, allegedly. Maybe. And we're going to talk about uh, the first officer of Space Station Deep Space Nine, Major, later Colonel Kira mm. Um What what an amazing character. Um, you know, I consider where Kira starts and where Kira ends, and it, it's a pretty amazing transformation. Um it's hard to believe that our conversation with Nana, uh, where we talked about Kira for, for quite a bit, was almost five years ago.
0: I cannot not even believe that. The, that's a long time. And it seems like it was yesterday because it was such a great conversation. I just happened to reach out to her via Twitter, not even a direct message. I just sent her a message and told her we were new at this whole thing, and we'd love to speak to her. And she was so gracious. We set it up, um, and she was wonderful. And her bird was wonderful it was it, it was a great discussion she you know you can tell that she takes great pride in what she did for these seven years and and she's very thankful for the to the fans for what they have given her um with our love of the character and it, it was it was such an honor to have her on
1: you know I, and i i appreciated the fact that we're able to have such a such an interesting discussion about Kira. You know, some of those facets I know not talks about even still today on the convention circuit. Um, you know, we talk about whether Kira would, would actually, you know, be a character in Star Trek at this point, yeah. based on the fact that she's a terrorist. Right. Uh, because, you know, Deep Space Nine occurred in a pre 9 11 world. And, and I thought Nana's answers were fairly interesting. So it's episode number nine, if you want to check it out, um, our conversation with Nana Visitor. But today we're going to continue on talking about the character which she played so wonderfully for so long. And, and you'll hear this point during the interview, but this is really the thing that kind of blows my mind, Dan, is, is truly how different Kira is from just about really any other woman in Star Trek that came before Especially, you know, when we're talking about main cash, until Deep Space Nine, women had primarily been caregivers or provided some kind of ancillary role Mm -hmm. Um, communications, um, uh, transporter chief, like in Star Trek the motion picture, um, uh, doctor, security. Yeah. Um, Kira had a much different path. And I think it's one that, that is quite fascinating.
0: The other thing that we had never seen up until this character was a female character, a strong female character, which they all were, but she had a huge chip on her shoulder from the very first scene that she was in. And that's not something we were used to seeing as star Trek fans between the original series, uh, TNG or any of the movies. And that was something that really stood out to me. Um, from the, ver- from the very get-go is, is how much of an attitude she had. And she had her reasons. Um, I mean, you talked about it a, a few minutes ago. She was a terrorist when she was growing up. And it's very interesting that, you know, pre-9-11 world, we could have that as a character, and it worked so well. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's amazing that um, the writers of Trek were able to give us something that not only had we never seen before, but I think it was something that none of us expected.
1: I have to agree with that. I mean, you figure, so they're putting the the the, the characters together, you know, they're writing the show Bible, they're kind of sketching out what Deep Space Nine is going to look like. And at some point, somebody, maybe Michael Piller, maybe Rick Berman says, yeah, we should make her a terrorist who then becomes part of the establishment. And if you think about that, just as a concept, it's like, what? <laughs> so she, you know, freedom fighter, terrorist, wherever you want to call her. You know, one person's terrorist is another person's exactly. freedom fighter. Yeah, um, depending on your point of view. Somebody who spent their life fighting against the Cardassian occupation, all of a sudden, becomes part of this thrown together, sort of kludge together government, um, in a sort of high ranking position, in a in a, on a space station that becomes. Pretty pivotal to that planet. Um, without Deep Space Nine being stationed at the mouth of the wormhole, it could be argued that that Bajor doesn't see the progress that that it should, and, and certainly doesn't get added to the Federation in you know season seven or later
0: and and also take to the fact that yeah she was this terrorist slash freedom fighter and she's been put into this role that she really wants no part in and she has to take orders from the federation which she does not want there in any way shape or form she thinks it's a joke that the federation is there she doesn't want she doesn't think Bajor should become part of the federation where was the federation during the occupation type of attitude so right off right from the very first episode we see that She's going to be as difficult as possible. Um, But it's interesting that it really starts to change a lot sooner than I thought it would.
1: Yeah. Um, I I think a lot of that pivots when she realizes that Cisco really is the emissary, but we'll get to that in in just a second. Mm -hmm. Um, That opening scene where she's in the office and Cisco kind of shows up and, (laughs) and she's berating whomever that is from the government, you know, with the, you're, you're throwing it all away. (laughs) Um, I love that. <laughs> it's, you know, you can tell that, that, that she's, she's, she's feisty. Yeah, know, she's good word. Outspoken. Mm-hmm. She's going to tell you exactly what she thinks. and Of course, that becomes part of the dialogue in the scene. And, you know, you anticipate that this is somebody who's going to present a massive challenge for Cisco. And that challenge really only lasts about three minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I got to be right up front. Um, since we're talking about her first scene and I've talked about this before, but not in great detail. I could not stand this character when deep space nine first came out. And I think it's partly because it like, we talked about it a minute ago. It was something that we didn't expect. We get this, this character with a huge chip on her shoulder. She's already got a bad attitude with Cisco and they just met. And I'm like, I just don't like it. I don't like the way she talks. I don't like the way that the, that Nana is portraying her. I didn't know. Nana, at all before deep space nine and any of her other roles that she may have done, but it was just, so I kind of was Kira in that I got off on the wrong foot with this character right from the get go. But that too changed fairly quickly.
1: Do you think that was the idea?
0: Maybe. I mean, we've seen a lot of times with characters that you love to hate, um, but, I, but a little bit different in this one, you know, maybe they're like, all right, let's get people fuse lit right away with this character and then we'll take it from
1: there. You know, one of the beautiful things about Star Trek Deep Space Nine is they introduce conflict between the main characters, you know, sort of the opposite of of the Roddenberry rule where, you know, the main cast, the crew of the ship had to get along and any, you know, conflict was resolved by the end of the episode and it, it really wasn't all that big of a conflict. But here is somebody who really resents the fact that it looks like they're being occupied again, even though they're right. not. Um, and it it really sets that, like you said, that relationship off on the wrong foot, both with Benjamin Sisko and with the viewer, because we're used to the first officer being somebody that the captain has complete trust in Mm -hmm. somebody who, you know, holds up the best ideals of Starfleet, somebody who, you know, you know, can, can command the ship if something happens to the captain and we meet this person right away. And none of those things appear to be true.
0: It's interesting what you said wasn't it in this in in Emissary part 1 um talking about how it's almost like they're being occupied again wasn't it Cisco who said we're here to help and her reply was that's just what the cardassians said 60 years ago or something along those lines if i remember correctly yeah so yeah absolutely um it's it's an interesting way to start a portrayal of a character by having her so in your face your face uh right from the get go um And then we kind of see those layers peeled back uh, as the
1: series progresses. We do, and and I think that it's probably one of the more masterful things about the way this character has been created. Uh, I initially we're not—I don't think we're supposed to like her, but it's very quick that that we learn that she's on our side, and and she's one of us. And I mean that you know using air quotes, meaning you know she she's one of those people on whom we can rely. She she demonstrates during that pilot that she is not only able to command and make decisions for that station, but she, she does so rather well, um, position, make, she's the one who makes the decision to move the station, right. Mm -hmm. You know, to the mouth of the wormhole. Yeah. Um, and she essentially stakes Bajor's claim on, on that end. And I, I think it's brilliant. And I think that the Bajorans have Kira to thank for really a lot of their destiny in that moment.
0: And I think, um, I, I think right off the bat Cisco kind of probably smiled to himself, knowing that he got a first officer who was going to challenge him and who was not going to be a yes woman to him and is going to, you know, throw her hands up in the air and turn her back to him when she doesn't agree. Um, Cause we see all that happen in the first 10 minutes. Um, so yeah, very interesting. And, and the only thing I, I, I really miss about the station around the, uh, Bajor's orbit is that was pretty 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 <laughs> pretty pretty. That was very pretty. That's what I meant to say.
1: So yeah, <laughs> hashtag pretty pretty. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, you look pretty pretty today. Thank you, thank you very
0: much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so 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 let's talk about her and Cisco because you know, like you say, that relationship gets off on the wrong foot, and, and we learn pretty quickly that that Kira really kind of has to balance a line, um, on one side there's her relationship as Cisco's first officer. And on the other side of that equation is, you know, Kira Norris as a, um,
0: uh, woman.
1: Yeah. Thank you. As a woman of faith Mm -hmm. who believes that, that this person is the emissary to the prophets, the person that her people have been waiting for. Right. Um, and and that really kind of puts her in a delicate position It's not something they they talk about between the two of them for some time, but you know i you can see that at times there's conflict there because she reports to this person, but mm-hmm. he's the person who's supposed to lead in more ways than one
0: right so when you're gonna disagree with him, how do you actually do that will will he not look down upon upon you as the emissary um or will he look down upon you as the commander of the station. And it's interesting how, this, how the, how the series progresses. And and I don't think I'm jumping ahead because it's part of this discussion point, that fine line, she doesn't really cross very often, but when she does, it's really well done. The perfect example that comes to mind is um, I, I, I apologize. I don't have the title up the top of my head, but when they're on the defiant and Cisco is injured, and is in and out of consciousness, and she's taking care of him, and she's talking about, you can't die, you're the emissary of the prophets, and she's talking about her faith and telling the religious stories. That's the best example of what she feels on the inside all the time, but can never really portray it outside except for a very few instances.
1: See, now I'm trying to rack my brain thinking of what episode that is. (laughs) I don't think it's Starship Down. I think it is. Is it okay? Um, isn't that the one that is uh, co-written is by David Mack?
0: Oh, I'll have to find that out. Uh, that'll be interesting. Um, Starship, Starship Down. Yeah, is that the one where they're in the atmosphere and they're battling the Gem Hadar without sensors and stuff. Yeah, I have to, I'll have to. We'll have to figure that out.
1: Yeah, people know. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, yeah, it is actually. Okay. Um, yeah, co-written yes. by, by by David Mack and and John Ordover. Nice,
0: um, David Mack is awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. yes, that's a great episode. Um, The other thing too is that you know, Kira not only has to has to balance that line, but you know, disagreeing is one thing, but does does her agreement with him at times does that conflict her? Because there are times where Cisco makes decisions that I'm sure are not in line with what she believes as far as her faith. Mm -hmm. So. That line is very delicate, and I think it's one that that she does as good a job as she can at at playing down the middle because this is a person that is revered in Bajoran society.
0: And we've seen a couple of instances. There's a second line that she has to be worried about um, dealing with. And that's if a decision is made by the captain, who is a member of the federation, making a decision that goes against, the Bajoran government, which she is a part of. So you've got that conflict that happens from time to time. So she's got conflicting things happening all the time, and she has to deal with all of that, plus all the stuff about her being a terrorist when she was younger and and Odo having the hots for her and this, that, and the other thing. It's just a whole mishmash of stuff going on in her head all the time.
1: You know, <laughs> I have to believe that you know the fact that Cisco struggled with his role as being the emissary, was something that probably didn't sit well with her. And it's not the kind of thing she talked about very openly, but you have to imagine that as a person of faith, you know, when when one of your religious icons really is, is kind of not digging the fact that he plays yeah. that particular role, it's got to make you look inside yourself and wonder, is this person really the emissary? Am I wrong to to put so much stock and faith in this person? I think there were some really great opportunities for more quandaries there for Kira. But by the same token, I'm glad they didn't overdo it, if that makes sense.
0: How many times has Star Trek completely hit the nail on the head with dealing with things in the real world? How many times do people question their own faith and have to deal with a decision that they have to make based on what their beliefs are? And this is a great example of how they're able to do that subtly. With this character of Kira, which makes you think about maybe how you react to things uh when you're dealing with these type of um of back and forths or tough decisions. Very interesting writing.
1: Absolutely it is. Well, the other thing that's interesting too is her evolution from you know across the seven seasons. We mentioned she starts as a very angry character. Um, you know, a character who feels like, you know, they've been thrown from from one mm-hmm. occupation into another. And rightfully so. I mean. Yeah. She's perfectly justified to feel that way. And by the end, she is a markedly different character. I think, from my perspective, she is a character that um, is in great turmoil at the beginning. But at the end, I think she's found an inner peace that I don't think that we expected her to find. I don't think that she expected to find herself.
0: No, absolutely not. And I think she also found, I don't know if forgiveness is the right word for the Cardassians, uh, for what they did to Bajor, but there we see her teaching her occupiers how to be freedom fighters when they have to go against the Dominion. It is full circle to the very definition of the phrase, which is really great. The other evolution that I wanted to talk about for just a minute, Bill, which I think is extremely important with the character of Kieran Reese, and I'm trying not to laugh as I say this, is how many hairstyles did she have through the course of the seventh seasons? Because I'll tell you, there were a lot, and I loved the final one when she was a colonel. I thought that was just... Very well done on, on Nana. So so there you go.
1: I, I, I can't believe we're, we're talking about hairstyles.
0: <laughs> As I have no hair. <laughs> well, there's that. See? Yeah. So um, um, in, in all seriousness, though, you're, you're absolutely right. She goes from one extreme. I don't want to say to the other extreme because it's not like she just sits and lets everything happen with a big smile on her face. But this is a, this is a great example of, of character growth to the nth degree. Uh, With Kira Norris because we see the bitterness and the angry attitude and then we see her evolve into a trusted confidant of Cisco's and then a member of the Federation uh, or a a, uh, being promoted to be in the uh, to be a colonel Um, and we get to see her relationship with Odo, which we'll get into later, which I'm not a huge fan of, but very a lot of different angles with the character uh, over the course of seven years.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, we talk about how Nog has had probably one of the greatest character arcs in all of star Trek. Mm -hmm. And I think that Kira's arc doesn't get enough credit because it it is, it, it is almost as, as monumental. Um, she starts, she's completely different than when she starts. Um, and the growth that she experiences is, is kind of amazing. Um, it, it's that occurs to me now as we ta- as we talk about this. You know the the path that Kira is on is is quite an interesting one, and I think it just it's played so expertly not by Nana that you know it, it I think we forget about it because it was just so natural.
0: Yeah, I've never really even thought of her character arc, to be honest, because you're right. Everybody talks about Nog, and and it, it's easy to understand. I mean, Nog is a kid who's getting arrested and thrown in jail in the very first episode, and in the last episode of the series, he's been promoted and is, is a decorated uh, Starfleet officer, and is the first Ferengi in Starfleet. So, I, I can understand that arc, but yeah, if you want to sit down and dissect the arc of Kira, that would be a whole episode in and of itself, We aren't Trekkies.
1: It really would. I mean, she's, you know, we've talked about it. She's a freedom fighter. We've Talked about how she goes to to being the first officer of the most strategic outpost in in the in that part of the Alpha or Beta quadrant Mm -hmm. um, to you know the inroads they make in the Gamma quadrant um, to (laughs) to the (laughs) Intendant sorry (laughs) to uh, assisting the deliberation of Cardassia
0: yeah absolutely Um, and I gotta say phenomenal I gotta say that's my favorite aspect of the character is her helping with the liberation of Cardassia, because who would have thought when we see this character, if you watch the first episode of deep space nine and you watch, you say focus on Curia because I got a question for you and you watch it. And then you say, okay, at the end of the season, at the end of the series, she's going to be helping the Cardassians when they're being occupied. And you'd be like, yeah, whatever. And it's, a, it really is an amazing evolution.
1: Well, it's an amazing evolution. And I mean, that just speaks to the heart of star Trek.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, if,
1: if this is who we're, we say we are, then we have to help these people. You know, if Kira is going to be the, the, the person of faith and, and the type of officer that, that, that Benjamin Sisko would hope she'd be and, you know, an entrant into the Federation, then these are ideals that, that the character should be upholding and she does uphold them at that time. Um, it's, it's not a job that I don't think she ever would have dreamed that she'd, she'd be on, but, you know, she's got to help liberate the, the people that she needed liberation from. And that's, that's pretty deep.
0: I, I, I don't even know what to say to that. It is very deep, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Now, with the phrase, is this all that I am? Is there nothing more that popped into my head when you were talking? I don't know if it, were, if it relates to this as much as with Spock and TMP, but I, I, I think there's an argument that it does.
1: I can certainly see that. Um, I think there are many times when Kira questions whether or not she's doing the right thing the right way, um, and for whatever reason. Uh, I think that she realizes that there's more to uh, there's more to being a member of the Federation than just flying the the banner and putting on a different uniform. I think she realizes through Cisco's you know guidance and and through serving with him for so long that, you know, y- you not only have to say you're going to do the thing, but you have to do the thing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. I like that. So, well done.
1: Kira Kira also has several relationships over the course of the season. Oh boy <laughs> now i'm gonna state off the bat um two of them i just i can't stand uh i have no problem with the odo one i know you do but um their whole relationship with beryl um let, can i just say i'm glad they killed that character off because i'm really tired of that guy i mean his
0: best acting was when he was like sitting in the sick bay with that like metal plate in his head <laughs> So, I just, I, I, we have talked several times about the fact that some, that most of the time, relationships in Star Trek just don't work. They don't come on, across on screen, I think, as the writers mean them to come across. Beryl, I can't remember which I said was worse, Beryl or Shakar, because they both sucked. I just was not a big fan of either of them. I got to go with Beryl. And then we had the Mirror Universe Shakar flapjack show up i thought that was kind of crazy too but she just does not seem to have good luck in the relationship department and then we have the odo relationship come on and yes i'm not a fan of the relationship i'm a bigger fan of the relationship than Anne of the other two gentlemen um but i just i thought it i thought it lessened the characters and I don't think Nana and Renee were overly joyed to see that this is where their character arc was going to go. It just, you know, you know, how many times can you just look at the camera and look at Odo make his silly smiley face and, and Kira give her weepy eyes. So I don't know.
1: <laughs> Tell me how you really feel.
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> I, I have to say that, you know, of the relationships, um, I thought the Odo one was fine. I'll get to that one in a second, but you know, both Barile and Shakar, my main problem with, with those characters being paired with Kira is that neither of them was as bold or as strong as Kira was. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were both far, just way too milk toast. Yes. Good you know, word. Uh, just very, just bland, mm-hmm. very uninspiring. Um, Uh, borderline timid i I always looked at Barile as timid and i don't know why but that's maybe just because he's quiet and reserved and and solemn but i expected you know i expect the kind of person with kira to to be not necessarily formidable but to have a presence and a gravitas and i'm sorry shakar does not have
0: no gosh neither one of them did no now i will give Otto credit he's got gravitas um and I don't want it to sound as if I hated it because I didn't hate it. I just There were parts of it that I really didn't like. There were parts of it that I absolutely loved. And one example that comes to mind right away, which I want to make point of, to show that I really respected it, was the episode, again, I don't remember the title because I haven't had time to think about it except just right now, when they're doing the mission and they're in the Jem'Hadar fighter. And Odo is holding his form together, and he doesn't want Kira to know that he's sick and really suffering. And there's one point where she's looking away, and he goes, and he turns the corner, and he's peeling and flaking, and he's all wrinkly and slimy. And she comes over, and she hugs him, and, and he goes, I didn't want you to know. And she's like, I've known all along and I love you. And, and that is just, that is the best Odo Kira moment of the whole relationship. So there are good moments. I just thought that the way it came about and the way that it kind of went sometimes was a little meh.
1: Here's, here's why I really like the relationship. It's because there is, there's is a mutual respect and affection uh, and a key point being the affection between those two characters before they ever, get together mm-hmm. and it, it's something that is this born out of their long history it's not just two characters they pair together because it makes a good relationship that's natural progression there yeah um, and, and that's why i kind of like it plus i mean uh, you know odo was a bit of the underdog you know he's the shy kid on the playground in, yeah the, and you see him get the win you know and, and that was something that was good um plus i mean odo is the ultimate white hat you know, yes, at times his, his, his methods are a little stringent. Mm-hmm. There are times where perhaps he lets Quark operate when he ought not. But um, ultimately, Odo's a good guy. And you know that, you know, he's going to be respectful of Kira. By the same token, you know, Kira is not going to treat Odo poorly because she does have that sense of honor. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the Odo relationship to me made sense because she could take a step back and let the major facade fall off and just be Norris.
0: That's a good point. I'll I'll give you that. I think what I need to do as I've done with several things that we've talked about here on, on Trek geeks that I may not have liked over the course of Star Trek's history, uh, move along home being a perfect example is if I go back and rewatch the episodes that start with the, with the, with the relationship all through the rest of the series, I'd, I'm willing to bet you that I would have a better appreciation for it. Um, as I've, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about other examples about how the relationship was good and the show, but also how it became a very important piece of the whole story arc. Like when he went behind her, not behind her back, but she, he was with the female shapeshifter after he promised her he wouldn't, um, very interesting uh, little um, argument and uh, hurt feelings how about the time that future odo or past odo from the Gideon planet said I'm the one who actually made the change to the uh, to the course which caused us caused them all to be eliminated from history
1: children of time I was just nah. gonna bring that up
0: oh okay sorry
1: <laughs> uh, no that's okay that's a moment I love between these two characters now we can move into talking about episodes that you know that that we really appreciate her scenes um i really love that scene even though i think it's a total cop-out um because the way that kira finds out that odo's in love with them is because future odo tells yeah. her mm-hmm. because regular odo is in a containment field yeah exactly um, yeah. because of the the whatever is the atmosphere or whatever mm-hmm. I, I can't remember off the top of my head but and it is such a beautiful moment where she comes to that realization and he finally pours out his feelings. He looks a little more like a humanoid. Yeah. No, he's, he's had a lot of time to think about it. He knows she's only there for a brief period of time. And then he essentially sacrifices the entire colony so that she can continue to live on. Yeah. And that's really kind of mind blowing. It, It says how, how much he loves her, mm-hmm. and it really kind of puts Odo in a bucket in a really bad spot when he <laughs> finally rematerialized I'm like, wow, Odo, Odo really just screwed Odo. Odo in a bucket—that
0: <laughs> was great. Hashtag Odo in a bucket. I like that one. But yeah, it's it's a very it's a great scene. You got the, the you know the the field and the wind blowing, and you can see that smile on his face, which is more of a real smile and 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 the thing that surprises me about that, though, is that she acts so surprised about odo's feelings, and i I didn't think she was that blind. It's pretty obvious to everybody on the station, even quark how he feels about her, and she's the only one who really never saw it. that just didn't really always make sense to me
1: it 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 That episode blows my mind because it allows an entire civilization to just disappear zing based on love,
0: hmm. And You're better really, off without it, and I'm better off with a mine.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, I, it's one of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine. Um, right,
0: it's a good episode.
1: But when I think of other, you know, Hallmark cure episodes, uh, even just in season one, I can look no further than two in particular: Progress. Mm-hmm. Because that episode with Brian Keith is one of the best cure episodes ever. Yep, she's forced to confront her her society, her. Her what she believes about Bajorans, to get this one guy out of there, and then of course duet, duet. The, the season one standout with Harris Yulin as as Amon Maritza or Guldar Heel, depending on what you believe. Um, two amazing performances, one earlier on in the season, one later, but um, they really kind of give you the sense of of who Kira is and what she's willing to do. Mm-hmm.
0: I had both of those on my list. They're both fantastic examples for her to burn down that house in, uh, in progress or the the little, she throws the fire yep. on the roof there. That's yep. amazing. Second skin is one that I think is a fantastic Kira episode. Um, she gets, she, you know, this is, she she forms a relationship with her hated enemy, the Cardassians. Um, I think that's a, a very strong Kira growth story Um, and I also love Heart of Stone and what's funny about Heart of Stone is that it's not Kira but it's a strong Kira story Right. so uh, I think that that's a really good one and uh, I also threw in as an honorable mention um, wrongs darker than death or night (laughs) Um, it's like you're in my head because because we get to she finds out that yeah her mom was a collaborator and was a collaborator with her sworn enemy of all existence, Gul Dukat awesome storytelling.
1: It, it's fantastic. That, yeah. that one alone, uh, written by, uh, Irish Stephen bear and Hans Beimler. Um, yeah. it's fantastic. Well, you get a little Bajoran orb action in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a whole bunch of Mark Alima, which I'm okay with. <sighs> Absolutely. You get, uh, you get Kira's mom. Kira's That's, mom. It's, it's a fantastic story. And I think it provides some really important context to Kira and it really kind of rocks her world. Do you
0: have a favorite line of Kira's that really stands out in your head?
1: Oh, boy. I mean, I
0: know there's a lot of them.
1: Um, well, I mean, you get the sense. I'm going to go back to the to, to the pilot for a second, Emissary. You get the sense of who Kira is going to be for the rest of the series at the very end of the episode when she's having that dialogue with Quark. And she says to Quark, you know, you better take that hand off my hip or you'll never raise a glass with it again. <laughs> yes. And that tells you precisely who Kira is. Mm-hmm. And it telegraphs who she's going to be for a good chunk of the series. Yeah. And I, I think it, it also telegraphs who Quark is. But I, I <laughs> like that scene in particular because it's a great jumping off point for those characters.
0: Yeah, I think one of the best lines, it's one that always stands out, the way it's delivered, and and when it's delivered, it's in season seven's Tacking Into the Wind. DeMar says, to kill her and my son, the casual brutality of it, the waste of life. What kind of state tolerates the murder of innocent women and children? What kind of people gives those orders? And Kira goes, yeah, DeMar, what kind of people give those orders? It's just awesome. It's the one that always stands out to me because she is just giving it right back to him. And then she instantly regrets it. But Garrick says, no, he needed to hear that. That is that is the quintessential Kira perfection moment in my mind.
1: Love it. Now, I'm going to come back with an episode that not a lot of people like. And it is one of my favorite Kira episodes. And it's season five, episode 11, The Darkness and the Light. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode where members of the Shakar resistance cell are being assassinated.
0: Yes. I used to not like that. I do like that one now.
1: Um, and pregnant Kira is is left as kind of the last member standing aside mm-hmm. from Shakar himself. But um, I think it is a fantastic episode. And you get you get to see Kira with a variety of emotions, uh, especially at the end, because here she is pregnant with Kiryoshi.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: You know, we don't know it's Kiryoshi yet, but um, <laughs> having to face this 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 Cardassian, you know, uh, face Melty, Melty, yeah, Melty face Cardassian guy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, it, it, it it's it's a really compelling story. Prin decides that he's just going to take the baby out of, out of Kira. Yeah. And it's, it, that's pretty
0: dark, man. It is a dark episode. And th- hence the title, uh, obviously. And it's interesting that she's in that beam of light the whole time. And he's always kind of hiding in the dark. Um, yeah, that's, I, and, and I actually wrote that down, but I didn't mention it. So I'm glad that you did. Um, there's so many good episodes about Kira that we don't really even realize, um, that, that they, that they are strong Kira episodes. Um, Oh, what was the, there's one particular one um, covenant I think is one it's not really crucial to her character development but it isn't that the one where their Dukat Narisa storyline kind of concludes um, I love the I love the the Ducat Kira relationship and the back and forth and how he seems to think that they're going to be friends and she's like no not at all and I think even um, if he had not been the 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 turning you know the the evil and the and the force that he was at the end of the series even though she helps Cardassia fight the dominion i still don't think that there would have been any um forgiveness or mutual understanding between the two of them
1: i agree 100 percent um yeah that's a that's a season seven episode the one where he admits that he's been possessed by the Pa wraith yes okay um yeah fantastic fantastic episode um You're right. There are so many great Kira episodes. I I tend to focus more on some of the lighter moments with Kira. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is it in the way of the warrior when Worf meets Kira and Dax the first time, and they're wearing sort of, you know, uh, uh, Excalibur kind of gowns and and Mm -hmm. hats. Uh, That's funny. Yes. Um, I, I love the scene where Kira is getting ready to depart the station. In the uh, what the the season two trilogy that opens the season, mm-hmm. uh, homecoming, the siege, and the circle, circle, so, uh, yeah, homecoming, circle, and the siege, whichever. Yep. It is. Um, and there's that scene where everybody comes to say goodbye to her, and it's it's like it's one long shot, <laughs> and people just keep coming in, yeah, and and it's a great scene. It shows you the camaraderie between uh, between the cast members and the crew, um, but th- there's so many moments like that.
0: Let me throw one more out at you because it's not a Kira episode at all, but I think in talking about my having a better appreciation for the relationship between her and Odo, I'm gonna throw Chimera in there. That's the episode when J G Hertzler plays uh Laz the the shapeshifter um and Odo is trying to figure out if he wants to go with him to go look for the other hundred and Kira says, if that's what you need to do, then go and that shows the respect that she has for his beliefs even though she doesn't want to lose him she's willing to let him go because he needs to make that decision for himself nobody can make it nobody can make it but him i like I, that
1: i like that too another of my favorite episodes as far as kira's concern of the dynamic between her and odo it's a very different one and that's the episode necessary evil from season two Odo was investigating a, an attempt on Quark's life and it reopens a, a five-year-old murder investigation. One that Kira was investigated for by Odo five years ago. And it turns out at the end of the episode, the alibi she gave him was a lie. Kira really did it.
0: Yes, that's right. I Yep.
1: that puts their friendship on some very mm-hmm. unstable ground right um I, I thought I thought it was masterful the way they introduced that conflict for those characters at this point um odo is it, it, odo's odo's belief in her is shaken and Kira that doesn't set well with Kira she doesn't like the fact that odo found out she yeah. likes the fact less that she had to lie to him mm-hmm. um so i I really appreciate what it does for the dynamic between those characters and also it's a great episode.
0: Do you think that the seeds of the relationship was planted or that the writers knew that they were going to do that with the characters way back in season one and two?
1: I have to think, no, I mean, I could be wrong. I honestly don't know, but I I almost want to believe that, that they couldn't have known at that point. Mm -hmm. Now they had to give them something to come back from, but you know, it's enough that their friendship just gets back on track because they have to rely on each other after that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's I, I have a hard time believing it. They knew they were going to get them together at that point. Okay, cool. Cool. I like that. Just such ambiguity there at the end that, you know, I can't believe that they go, Oh yeah, we're just going to get them together as a couple later on, like season five. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's not like deep space nine wasn't written. Like the shows are today where it's five seasons, but they have the whole arc already written up um, before they even start the series. So uh, it's just, just something that popped into my head.
1: Well, okay. Then, (laughs) um, We'll, we'll probably, actually, no, I want to talk about one other thing before we get onto that. So back when the Deep Space Nine documentary premiered earlier this year, yes, um, there was a season nine, uh, sorry, season eight, I'm getting yes. ahead of myself, season nine, a season eight sort of story breaking, you know, what the first episode of season eight would look like. Mm-hmm. And in that that part of the documentary, I thought it was pretty fascinating because it, it picks up 25 or so years later. And obviously Nog is a captain and yeah. and everybody has gone their own ways. But, but Kira looks like she's the Kai.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's not being very um, honest about things.
1: No. <laughs>
0: yeah. And See what happens when you become a cl- political pawn. Kai. When Kira.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously we don't want to go too much into it for those who haven't seen the documentary. You really should. It's, it's a oh, wonderful. Absolutely. Tribute to a fantastic series, but it's interesting where the writers thought to take her after that. What other conflict can we introduce for Kira and for everybody else? Oh, I know let's make her the religious leader of the Bajoran people. And Oh, um, maybe she's doing something she ought not be doing Mm -hmm. fascinating stuff.
0: It really is. And, and you know, you, you think about how much she despised Kai Win. I don't know if she despised Win because of Win or because of the whole how you had to, you know, juggle politics and religion in that role. And then, boom, she's the Kai, and it's going to be like what what threads had to be pulled on that sweater to make that happen? Because it just, that was a shock and a half and it was a good shock. I think you're like, Oh my God, what's going on? And then as you find out, like you said, we don't want to give everything away, but then when you find out what's going on, it's even more of a, what the heck is happening Uh, situation. And, and the fact that they only showed us what the first episode would be like was really aggravating. (laughs) It's, it's (laughs) mind
1: blowing. You figure when we leave her in, in what you leave behind, she's essentially in command of the station. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know if if it's replaced with another federation commander or if she retains command because Bajor is going to join the federation right um, And to go from where she was to where they think she'd be in season eight yeah is it's a to- it's mind bleep to the nth degree man It
0: really is and but it's a good mind bleep <laughs> uh,
1: it, it shows how rich the character is and, and the things they can do with her. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's our kind of women of Star Trek retrospective on Kieran Reese. Um, I, I love t- talking about these characters because they deserve these types of examinations. Um, I, I can't wait for the next one because these discussions are always so much fun.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll uh, write something up. We'll schedule it. How's that? Oh, will you (laughs) now? No, I I agree. It's it's been great that we've done this a few times now, and it really gives us a better understanding of these characters. And like we just had a moment here where I'm now going to go back and watch something to see if I can get a better appreciation for something. So it opens up all kinds of doors. Don't
1: you think? It truly does. Uh, Dan, you know what else opens up all kinds of doors? Knowing five-year mission. Oh, wow. Very I'm good. just going to throw that out there. Um, they provide every last note of music you hear on the Trek Geeks podcast. They themselves podcasters on our podcast network with five-year mission, the podcast. We love everything these guys do and their podcast is no exception. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. It's available on, on Apple podcasts and Spotify and Google podcasts and wherever you can get fine podcasts in your ears. Um, but definitely check it out there. They're, uh, they're Fourth episode, I think it is just was released. Yeah. And um, it's great stuff, man.
0: When is it not great stuff with Five Year Mission? Everything they do is gold. they like is- Rumple Stiltskin or something.
1: Fargo
0: F- Wow. See, oh, good. <laughs> Bill's first farkism on the show. I like it. But you know, you know, we're standing here laughing and sitting here laughing, I should say. Go ahead.
1: Well, but we want everyone to head out to fiveyearmission.net, download all their music or buy the CDs. We love physical media. Oh, yes. And then go download Five Year Mission, the podcast, because um they're having great discussions about their music, about other music, about Star Trek. It is just fantastic stuff, Dan.
0: We love them. And you know, like I said, we were sitting here laughing, but you know. It was a sad day, my friend, when, oh, I'm getting all choked up. He was diagnosed with xenopolycythemia. You remember that? Rare but deadly. And the band had to accept the fact that there was nothing they could do. Thankfully, though, they came across that asteroid, Yonata, and the high priestess, Mykira Rittenhouse. And with the help of the oracle, they cured him, and he could continue to create beautiful music for the entire galaxy for the world is hollow and i have touched the fark it sounds a little dirty but uh but that's okay
1: <laughs> I, I i i i am without speech <laughs> for the world is hollow yeah. and i have touched the fark
0: I, I don't know if for the fark is hollow would have worked any better <laughs>
1: It might have been a little better. <laughs> um, it just—I have touched the sky. I have touched the far. Oh, if man. you say it quick enough, it sounds like I have touched this guy. Name far. Name
0: Wow. Anyway, fiveyearmission.net.
1: Yeah, fiveyearmission.net. <laughs> please go buy all their CDs. Um, <laughs> yeah of course don't forget in addition to 5 Your mission the podcast and trek geeks you can support the trek geeks network of podcasts by subscribing to bonus content on patreon you get access to content you're just not going to get anywhere else you can see our annual supporters pins from sets, and even get raw unedited audio of our podcasts along with a whole bunch of other perks dan
0: indeed and we'd like to take a moment to thank our associate producers for trek geeks we are so grateful for their support Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Tim Sardar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, Jim McMahon, and
1: the glorious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. Oh, he's glorious this week. That's glorious. Fantastic. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are... Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashion.
0: You too can become producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for more information
1: next week Dan it has finally happened i say finally it took it took a it took a while but the time has come hasn't it
0: it has come man 50 plus years that is how long it took you my friend but you stayed with it you got the job done you are now one of us your journey is complete at least to this point you finished watching star trek voyager and you are now a completist. This is a time to celebrate for tomorrow. We all may die. (laughs) So next week we're going to do exactly that. We're going to celebrate this man because it's big news. It's an exciting feat. We're going to be joined by our good friend, John Krikorian of the Trek profiles podcast. We're going to break it all down next week on Trek geeks, the flagship podcast of the Trek geeks podcast network.
1: So how can it take 50 plus years? For me, if I'm only 50 years old.
0: Because you're more than 50 years old. You're 50 years plus 28 days. 50 plus. Mm-hmm. boom <laughs> i knew you were gonna ask that question you big jerk
1: <laughs> well no because i'm like wait, 50 plus
0: yeah oh, well, god yeah, there you go you started right from day one baby 50 plus
1: i i actually didn't i started when i was about six or yeah, five god. or six you are just so stupid <laughs> <laughs> yes yes you are uh uh, of course, for more great Star Trek podcasts, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, the Star Trek Podcast Network for your fandom. In addition to uh, Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek, there's Five Year Mission, there's Polytrex, there's Rewind or Rewind, as Haley and, and Sarah say it. And we've got uh, Trek Geeks Game Night, which is another fantastic show, and some others coming very, very soon. You can find them all at Trek Geeks.com. Com. Of course, for more uh, more great Star Trek news, for all the news on all the Star Trek SEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 195 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Cry coconut and let's slip the docks of war. <laughs> what are you doing?
0: Doesn't he spin in his chair in that scene or something? I just broke oh, my knee. While he's saying
1: cry <laughs> havoc. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. I just want to do one last thing for the video people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're going to cry. Oh, I busted my kneecap.
0: Sure did.
1: <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Genius. Music for Trek geeks is provided by five year mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at five Trek Geeks, a Star Trek
0: podcast is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star
1: Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong, Dan. Bing oh, bong.
0: Whoa, Bing Bong, big boy.
1: Whoa, that oh. was very that was very alliterative.
0: <laughs> A li- whoa. What is I don't even know what that means. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do like an English Bing Bong because of destination Star Trek, but why bother with that intro? <laughs> Oof.
1: Oof. <laughs> Wait, did you have tacos or something? <laughs>
0: So you just had a hot flash there. That was pretty intense, man. Thank you.
1: At, at your age, that happens, I hear.
0: And we're, yeah, well, at your age, you're only, you, you know, you're 52 now. Or 50, also. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, 52? Go to hell.
0: <laughs> ah, yes. Sorry. My punctuation
1: and grammar were not accurate. <laughs> I'm stunned by that revelation.
0: <laughs> that never happens. Never. Uh, did you notice I didn't chime in on the champion mistype on Twitter
1: this week? <laughs> If you had, I was going to just light you up <laughs> mercilessly. I'm like, not going to do it. It wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Not so prudent. So uh, right. so we're back in the saddle. I'm over my yes. hellacious cold. It's, it was it, terrible.
0: Yeah, you were not feeling good at all. So I'm glad you're feeling better. You're looking good. Um, I had a little bout of something over the weekend. Uh, So this is why this is getting out a little later than normal. And that was... I wanted to die Friday night. That was horrendous. So, but I'm all good now.
1: A little about a what? Surely, Admiral.
0: Uh You beat me to it. I was just about to say it.
1: Uh, you, you, you were a little slow in the draw. So I wasn't I'm sure you knew where I was going. I,
0: I knew where you were going. Yeah, wonderful stuff. That Rodney Linnell. Twenty-two mm. <laughs> <laughs> eighty-three. Yeah,
1: twenty-two eighty-three. It's a good year. Good year. We didn't takes, get them. Well, yeah, it takes this stuff a while to ferment. It does. <laughs>
0: Speaking of wine, we were going to um, uh, well, and Ale, wine, whatever. Uh, we were going to crack the Chateau Picard this weekend, but because I was under the weather, we didn't.
1: Nice, yeah.
0: So we'll do it later.
1: <laughs> I, I we expect a, a full on review. Um, you'll you'll have
0: it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do it live on Trek Geeks one day while we're
1: recording, I'll be like, "Mm, you could even, you could even do video of it and we'll, we'll, we'll post it. Okay. I
0: can do that. Drink it right out of the bottle. Like Dan sitters did. (laughs)
1: Um, What don't you really mean drink it out of the bottle? Like Dan Davidson does normally.
0: (laughs) You have no video proof of that
1: except normally it's packed in a paper bag and you're sitting in a back alley somewhere. It's
0: called mad dog. 2020
1: (laughs) thunderbird. (laughs)
0: Boone's Farm strawberries.
1: Um, you're the only person I know that calls Franzia juice boxes. <laughs> it's
0: <laughs> it is juice. It's, it, it's, mm, grapes that
1: burn. <laughs> sorry, I so many comments. None of them are good. One of them is eventually going to tie back to Michael Jackson. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think we'll just move along home. Let's jeté. Oh, second shaft. Yeah, thank you. Thank second you. Sharp. That's fantastic.
0: Uh, I try to throw them in there when I can. And I'm not as good as you are, but uh, oh, once in a while. That's just
1: genetics. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> so uh, going to be a good conversation that people will have heard by the time they hear this. Right?
1: Well, you wow. You set that up like a master. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> a little, little orb of time action going on right now. woo <laughs> yeah, did you see what I did there? Yeah.
1: I, I did uh, because I'm watching the video. Um, and it's- people listening uh, on their iPhone may not, but we're going to see <laughs> if we can post the, the, the video of this maybe to Camp Kittimer.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, Camp Kittimer now. Oh, great. Okay. Hi, Camp Kittimer. Writes. Hi. Trek Geeks. <laughs> are you and ready do, <laughs> n- now do it or
1: so you, you when the green uh rectangle is around your box that means the videos is, is focusing on you oh all so right you, you probably want to wait until oh, okay. that now happens
0: i'm just gonna go like down i go ah, trek geeks and ah, geeks ah, blah, blah, blah. yeah okay put me in front of a camera and just weird things happen
1: <laughs> so many places to take all <laughs> of this. none of them good
0: none none at all Mm-mm.
1: none yeah um I've got so many thoughts but uh this is a family show uh, apparently. Sorry I had to yawn in the middle of a sentence there cuz you're borrowing you? Yeah, actually you are. All right. Um <laughs> <laughs> So we got a, we got a lot of podcasting to do this weekend. We got Oh my uh, good lord, you do. I I do. Um <laughs> we got episode number 196 we're recording this weekend uh about my Voyager completionist badge.
0: Yes. Congratulations. Um, You'll get we're, many kudos uh, during the podcast. Thank obviously. you.
1: We're doing a round table for our Patreon supporters um, mm-hmm. where they get to come in and ask me anything. And I'm going to answer as honestly as I can.
0: I might have to jump in to ask you something.
1: Uh, I'm not going to answer anything <laughs> you ask.
0: All right. I'll have somebody else do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Shafsky. <laughs> Please. Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine what Casey's going to ask. Oh,
0: good Lord. That's it's a
1: good thing that we're not releasing that in our feed because <laughs> um, we'd have to rate that E and it's not for everybody. It's explicit.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: PlayStation. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Or Xbox One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so um, we try to do these quarterly. Um, sometimes it's a little longer, a little shorter, depending. Um, But if you uh, are interested in in a future one, you can always check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash trekgeeks, uh, where subscription levels start as low as a dollar a month, Dan.
0: 100 cents. Wow. Four quarters, 10 dimes, 20 nickels, a dollar bill. Rip a $10 bill into 10 pieces.
1: The one half part of a
0: $2 bill. There you go. I like that. Excellent. See, a whole bunch of different ways you can contribute because math is not hard.
1: Math is not hard. So in the Broadway musical Big River, um, two Star Trek alums are in that cast. Rene Auberginois is in it, and also Bob Gunton, who is in the episode The Hunted playing Captain Benjamin Maxwell. Mm. And they have a song together. um, uh, It's called The Royal Nonsuch. And they're these two hucksters who are just trying to, you know, uh, they're essentially snake oil salesmen, I think. And um, at one point, Rene has the line, Just 50 Cent's. The one half part of a dollar, which is, uh, he speaks it, you know, trying to get people to, to come on in and see the show. So, um, that's where I got that from. Just a okay. little tangent. I just like to see him do that as Odo.
0: Um, <laughs> Cause he'd ended off with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rene O'Bergenois, lots of musical and musical theater credits to his name.
0: I love um, him as the chef in Little Mermaid. Absolutely. Fantastic.
1: When I found out that was him, I was like, oh, my God. I know, right? It's the guy from Benson. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Clayton. Clayton Endicott third. Endicott.
0: That's the one. Yes, yes.
1: And Ethan Phillips was the the budget director guy named Pete, whose last name I don't remember.
0: I don't know I never really watched much of Benson back in the day. Yeah.
1: Did you watch it front in the day?
0: You're so stupid. <laughs>
1: you <laughs> you don't really watch the office but that was really kind of michael scott like the way you paused and just said that very quietly i'll take
0: that as a compliment because i have watched a little office he is so annoying
1: but <laughs> so funny
0: yes absolutely very funny
1: so so that's where we're at um, all right so, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were going to talk some uh, Kieran Reese.
0: Yeah, good to have you back in the saddle, my man. Looking good in that Star Trek chair, all ready to go. <laughs> Which I had one of those.
1: <laughs> sorry, it's my Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, you, Paul Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. The Paul Lynn Halloween special. I didn't know that such a thing existed.
0: And the uh, Paul Lynn Christmas Carol. I've not seen either. I'm sorry, not Paul Lynn. Um, Rich Little.
1: Oh, who cares about Rich Little? He sucks. No.
0: <laughs> Just saying.
1: Yeah. Paul Lynn is like, Rich Little, please. Okay. Um, uh, I suppose we should end this the way we normally do. you ready to do this?
0: I'm ready. I'm ready.
1: Let's, let's go, y'all. Uh,
0: y'all.